0: NFL wildcard weekend upon us first super wildcard weekend in fact and it's not our first time however seeing most of these matchups Scott six games on tap five rematches how much stock do you put into what we've already seen from a lot of these teams having gone head to head in the regular season
1: well I think uh, you know every every games can be different obviously so you got to look at every game but you know, I'm reminded. I think it was 2000 after the 2013 season. Whenever Seattle won the Super Bowl, and they came back. Uh, obviously, Super Bowl winners would play that Thursday night game for Week One. They played Green Bay and C- Seattle. They kicked the hell out of Green Bay in that game, and that was the year that Green Bay then went there for the NFC Championship game uh, and really dominated that game. And then just had a whole cluster, you know what, in the last five minutes to basically give that game to Seattle to go to the Super Bowl again. Um, and and it, you know. And Green Bay dominated that game, even though they got dominated in in game week one of the season that year. So these are this is different times. Uh, even if someone played three, four weeks ago, the dynamics of the team can be different. You know, the Raiders were in a funk for a while. Now they seem to be out of the funk. So uh, you can't put a ton of stock into it. You try to take whatever you can from that previous game that maybe is meaningful. Um, but just because someone beat someone, maybe beat them bad earlier in the season, doesn't mean it's going to repeat itself in the playoffs. These are different times right now in the playoffs.
0: Chris, as Scott walks through that, I can't help but think of your mantra being willing to pivot from week to week. So, with that in mind, are you in a similar boat in terms of how much stock you put into any regular season matchups that we'll see repeated on wildcard weekend?
2: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you have to be willing to pivot, and you, you, you. It's an entirely different uh, dynamic now because it, there's the finality with every game. We're going to see one or two results that blow us away that are completely unexpected, happens every year. Um, and uh, once again, home field starts to count for a little bit more. Uh, there's uh, definitely uh, a difference with the playoffs and in the, in the home field advantage. So um, something to take into account there. Uh, because uh, you know, people that follow this closely have diluted home field advantage during the regular season over the last couple of years, and uh, uh, so for normal everyday people, they probably didn't realize it. So it's all the same, but uh, um, the uh, that's what sticks out to me, Matt and Scott. It's it, it just uh, expects some unexpected, and you know, it, it, it's you gotta bet some stuff that you don't like. I mean, there's good, the lines are tighter here and the edges are smaller, so um, you can't really go into each game with the same confidence you had during the regular season because I, I think you're compromising your 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 ranges of what would be a play a little bit uh, in the playoffs because the lines are a little bit sharper, so you're really using. Uh, a, you know, lower grade advantages to select one side or another than you would in the regular season. Do you find that to be true with you, Scott?
1: Yep, I, I agree. I agree hundred percent. It's um, you know, it's funny, Chris, you know, for the longest time I was doing extremely well during the regular season. And then the playoffs would come and the stuff that I used in the regular season didn't didn't trans translate at all to the playoffs, right? So uh it's it's just it's a different animal. Um and You know, we've seen a lot of teams who, if you look at your rankings and your numbers throughout the year, maybe they're okay. Uh, You know, the Giants come to mind, you know, a few of those years they won the Super Bowl. They were a banged up team for a long time. And then they got healthy at the end of the year and they moved on. Green Bay, when they won the Super Bowl in 2010, you know, I took them uh, at whatever their odds were, 13 to one or something, which was a little bit lower than what I would have liked to have had them at. But. That team was very banged up, and I, if they could just qualify for the playoffs and they were a sixth seed, then I knew they were getting healthy and they were going to be a completely different team in the playoffs. So, yeah, it's it's just a different, completely different animal. You've got to be able to and, and realize and um, and just take a look at things a little bit differently uh, when you get to the playoffs.
2: I've had those same type of seasons where the regular season's great, and then the playoffs are just sort of eh. Uh, last year, luckily, I had a good regular season and postseason. But in previous years, the playoffs have been a little dicey. I, I think it's going to be a good playoffs this year. I, I just I look forward to less COVID shenanigans. And uh, uh, at least with the injuries, you know, the people and the effort you're going to get it all. So uh, it just it's just so much better than what we faced this year.
0: And as we get ready to turn the page to the playoffs, let's take one more look at our records now with the regular season in the books. We've got a full screen graphic showing up for the YouTube audience. Based on these numbers, I think it's fair to declare Scott the winner of the number one seed, perhaps giving Scott some home field advantage here in a first round bye. Scott, feel free to take the rest of the show off on that note. (laughs) Chris locked into the two seed, and that leaves me for the three seed. Uh, that might have turned out a little bit better for me if only either of you had warned me about the Chargers at the Raiders last week, you guys. Yeah, we're sorry. We
2: we, we didn't see that coming at all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> serves me right for going head-to-head with the both of you. Um, as much as that game was a thriller, I'm going to have a tough time shaking it. But as betters need to do, this can be a good exercise in turning the page. We've got a fun Wild Card Weekend board to get to. And as we prepare to hit the ground running there, a quick shout out to the YouTube audience. Please take a quick moment to give this video a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And as always, jump in that chat. We'll be happy to take any questions at the end of the show. And guys, let's cut right to it. First game on the board on Wild Card Weekend, the Raiders at the Bengals. Cincinnati laying 5.5, total of 49. And let's start in a Raiders playoff game with the guy who puts Las Vegas at the beginning of his name, Chris. What are you looking for in Raiders-Bengals?
2: Um, I'm kind of disappointed. I missed the line move here a little bit. It was six and a half. Um, I, I just wanted to process this game a little bit more because uh, you had Las Vegas coming off the short week here and, and uh, an exhausting overtime win facing a rested Cincinnati. Um trying to figure out basically what we're going to expect from the Bengals in the playoffs since we haven't seen them in the playoffs. And we know Las Vegas wasn't expected to be in the playoffs. So you really have to digest a game like this a little bit more and see you know, what comes out of their mouths and what the attitudes are and, um, and just kind of digest a little bit more if that makes any sense. Because you've got... I think it's really interesting when you just have two teams like this that are going to meet. There's high expectations with the Bengals, uh, and and there's not many expectations on the Raiders at this point. uh, And who does that help more? So um, the one thing I notice here that I think is really important is the strength of schedule difference. And Cincinnati has one of the lowest strength of schedules played you know, they're coming off a fourth-place schedule from the year before. And, uh, I, I, you know, I'll make a comment on that uh, before I forget it. We've got 14 teams in the playoffs. Three of them faced a top-10 schedule. Think about that. So, uh, you, you know, if you're facing those difficult schedules, it's going to be tough. And uh, the Raiders, uh, at least by Sagrin, faced the 11th most difficult schedule. Uh, I don't take his ratings to heart uh, necessarily. They're, they're, they they're could be off in many cases, but at least it's some reference point. Um, and the uh, thing that bothers me about Cincinnati here, uh, 20th over the last five weeks of performance in Vegas, hey, we, we talked about it last week. We were going to come here this week and go, Geez, the Raiders won three games in a row. We should have seen it that the fourth game in a row was going to put a team in here that doesn't belong in here. They've won four games in a row. It's hard to win four games in a row in the NFL no matter who you play. So the momentum is Las Vegas' way. I, I probably sat on this too long. I, I don't have a plan. it now. Make sure you check the comments, though. Uh, probably going to add some plays in the comments before game time. And uh, uh, I'm looking at the Raiders possibly if the line
0: goes back up. And one more angle I'd like to touch on with you, Chris, as it pertains to this game. Rookie head coaches in the playoffs, uh, Rich Bisaccia, a rookie head coach, also Nick Ariani we'll get to that Eagles-Bucks game later. But interesting, in the Raiders case, a rookie head coach in the playoffs usually viewed as a disadvantage. But Zach Taylor, not the most highly regarded head coach, and it's also his first playoff appearance, so what do you make of that?
2: Well, there's also a big trend with uh, first-time starters for quarterbacks. And uh, the Raiders made the playoffs a few years back, but Carr broke his arm or his leg or something and wasn't able to play. So he's never uh, played a playoff game. So you've got uh, Burrow, you've got two head coaches, two quarterbacks, two teams uh, with no experience, which is actually kind of nice because then you kind of can put them a little bit on equal footing. I don't know what uh, you and Scott think, but I, I feel like it's kind of a washout.
0: Yeah, I don't have a strong take one way or the other there. It's hard for me to develop a strong opinion uh, almost any way I look at this game. I guess the biggest edge I see in the game is the Raiders' defensive line going to the Bengals' offensive line, especially if Bro's mobility is compromised off of a knee injury suffered late in that Chiefs game. But at the same time, that might be a wash because for all intents and purposes, the Bengals took a bye in week 18 and the Raiders going from an overtime Sunday nighter down to the wire to the early window on Saturday. So how much does fatigue play into that big advantage the Raiders could have in the trenches? That has me on the sidelines in this one for now. And Scott, if you are looking at the Raiders, perhaps there's some asymmetric risk. Might not hurt to go ahead and wait because a tick down from five and a half doesn't really cost you any value. But a tick back up to six might make all the difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, your next key number is probably four. I mean, obviously, when they started kicking field goal or extra points farther back, uh, whatever it was, five, six years ago, the five starts to come into play a little bit more. But, uh, I, you know, if you're looking to take the Raiders, I did take them at six and a half yesterday. If uh, For show purposes, if they would have been at plus six right now, I would take them. Uh, but we're at five and a half, so um, all I can do is really recommend to wait and see. Um, you know, like Chris said, I mean, you're watching that game Sunday night. I was tired watching the game. Like, you know, just thinking like, man, the Raiders are going through a lot here. Uh, and how do they turn this around and now come full circle, uh, can go to Cincinnati with the early slot on Saturday. It's not easy. Let's and and, and for all practical purposes, Cincinnati had last week off, uh, at least for their for their key players. So that part is not real good for the Raiders. Um, I made the line four, so I think we've got some value on the Raiders. Uh, I'm going to rattle off these three teams, too, and you guys tell me what they have in common. Kansas City, San Francisco, and Green Bay. <laughs> They're all in the playoffs, right?
0: Yeah, anything beyond the Kansas City, San Francisco, and Green Bay?
1: Uh, that, that's it. They're in the playoffs, right? So Kansas City played all three of those teams at home this year. They were a home dog to all three of those teams. Now, let me rattle these teams off to you. Baltimore, Chargers, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Jacksonville, all not in the playoffs other than Pittsburgh. We know that, right? Those are the teams Kansas City was favored against. They were favored against all these non-playoff teams, which we know some of those teams could have, you know, Baltimore and Chargers could have easily been in the playoffs, I get it. But the real uh, solid playoff teams they've been home dogs to, now they're coming here as a five and a half, six, six and a half point favorite against Vegas. I don't know, man, like two weeks ago, the Colts were eight, nine point favorites against Vegas. And I look back and it, when the Colts were seven point favorites or higher over the last couple of years, they were all to garbage teams, non-playoff teams. And now they were a large favorite against a Vegas team that was on the brink of possibly making the playoffs. It's the same thing here. I think, in my opinion, these teams, I don't think are that far apart when they, played back in week 11, I had the over on the team total for Cincinnati, uh, and I got lucky to get there, right? That thing ended up 32-13, but that was 16-13 late in the game. The last 10 points that Cincinnati scored came on drives of 27 and 31 yards following turnovers by uh, Vegas. So there was a whole bunch of garbage stuff added at the end. That 32-13 was not representative, and we talked about you can't put stock necessarily always in those games, so... Uh, caveat right there. But Vegas outgained them 5.9 yards of play to 4.1 yards of play. Their success rate was almost 60% to 49% for Cincinnati. Like Cincinnati did not steamroll Vegas into a 32-13 win. So I I just question here, um, should Cincinnati be this big of a favorite? The situation obviously favors Cincinnati. I just think it's too many points. I did grab six and a half. If this would have, like I said, for show purposes right now, if this would be six, I would have made this the best bet. It's a very strong lean to Vegas. And uh, if it goes up six uh, or obviously higher, uh, I would I would take Vegas if I were the listeners as well.
2: I had the Raiders and against Cincinnati in that game. And it was a tough choice because I forget the circumstances, but they were particularly hit with either injuries or COVID that week.
1: Well, you had the Gruden thing, and then um, uh, Henry Ruggs did not play in that game. So I think that was like right when all that was happening because Deshaun Jackson was playing. So it was probably a week removed from Henry Ruggs, I think.
2: Oh, I mean, um, it was just days after. That's right. It was yeah. before the new head coach and uh, before. Yeah, and it was and, and I, Raiders could, should have won that game. I mean, they very well could have, and it was just a disappointing loss. So,
1: you know, they had the week before that, Chris. They they lost twenty to nine to the Bears. That was right after Gruden got let go, or, or maybe he got let go in that at right after that game, like that night or something. And then you had the Henry Ruggs thing during the middle of the week, um, and then obviously he wasn't av- available for that game. So it was right when they were starting all this stuff that really kind of hit them straight in the face and they had to deal with.
0: Well, we got a couple strong leans on the Raiders here. Keep an eye in the comment section, especially if this line by any chance happens to tick back up to that plus six. Moving on from a game with some leans to a game with a couple of bets between the three of us. The Patriots at the Bills, another rematch from the regular season. That's a common theme in this round. New England catching four points at Buffalo, total 43. Chris, no surprise to the audience who caught our show during the regular season who you're on in this one.
2: Why would that be? I, I, I bet Buffalo against uh, uh, New England the last time they played
0: each other. Yeah, but if we look at how many times you bet New England uh, for or against, I'm guessing it's a bit lopsided. But uh, anyway, what do you think of this particular matchup, Round Three, Patriots Bills?
2: Well, I, you know, I'm keeping an eye on the weather in this game because that's going to change the dynamic of uh, of a lot of what happens. Um, I, I know the history of rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs and i looked at that list today and yeah the rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs haven't fared very well but russell wilson won and a bunch of other and the vast majority of the losing quarterbacks in the playoffs that lost that were rookies boy they 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 were not good quarterbacks so you got to kind of factor that in a little bit so um, we don't know how good, uh, um, of a quarterback we have here for New England, but I think the points are what matters in this situation. I think these teams are a lot closer in talent than people realize. And if you can get four or four and a half, I don't know how you can turn that down in this situation. It's, uh, the it's it can go either way we've seen these teams play each other and uh like i said i I bet new england against buffalo the first time when new england won and i bet buffalo against new england when buffalo beat new england i trust my data and my data says that there's value here so i'm going to stick with new england they uh just for a note they seem to have played somewhat similar schedules but buffalo is is if not number 32, pretty close to the weakest schedule in the NFL, so uh, be aware of that. And uh, neither team has been that exciting over the last five weeks. Buffalo's a little bit better, but they've been cleaning up over you know playing nonsense teams.
0: Yeah, and I'm with you on this one. We were head-to-head with the Patriots last week when you had them, and uh, Scott and I took the Dolphins, but we have some consensus with the Patriots this weekend. Um, a big pivot for me. Uh, I know that they were priced near their ceiling, perhaps at their ceiling, laying a touchdown early in the week last week against the Dolphins. This time around, I don't know that all that much has changed since these teams played in Buffalo in Week 13 in that crazy win game. The Bills were laying two and a half to three uh, you know, extra juice, depending on uh, how you wanted to get at that number. But I feel like these extra points are, are almost pure value on the Patriots. I am seeing, I think some money, yeah, it looks like some money's coming in on Buffalo. So there's a chance of seeing four and a half. I'm not going to bet this yet, but I will be in play on the Patriots, holding out, hoping to see a four and a half. Um, if not, I think four is still a go. And Scott, when it comes to this game, and not just from a side standpoint, but from a totals perspective, Again, round three Patriots versus Bills. Do you think that reduces any of the variance that could be in play in this matchup?
1: Uh, it could. I, you know, I, It's kind of interesting because it, it's looking like, what, teens as far as uh, temperature, possibly snow, right? Now that, that first game you had a whole bunch of wins. So I almost, you know, maybe because I think Buffalo is a more talented team, but the line will be the deciding factor here, of course. Uh, I almost threw that first game out. Um, because it's just not natural. I thought the, the game they played in New England, which was a neutral weather game, if you will, I thought Buffalo's talent really showed through. I think, you know, Buffalo's got a much higher ceiling here from a talent level, I think, uh, especially with Josh Allen, where I think um, New England falls within this frame of where they can go high or low. So I, I, I think Buffalo's a better team, but the problem I have with taking Buffalo is to what you guys have said, I make this number two. So the line's four, right? Like, and, it, and it's hard for me sometimes, and this is maybe a fault of mine, because if you trust the lines, you should just trust the lines. But the take the team getting four points that I don't know is quite as good as the other team, but that's why you make numbers, right? You make numbers to decide where this thing should land. And um, right now, for me, it's saying two. So there's value on New England, Will I get New England, take New England? I don't know if I will, but um, I can't take Buffalo lane four when I know that the number should be two based on what I'm looking at.
0: When you say you make this number two, I also know Chris mentioned off the top of the show, home field advantage increases in the playoffs. It's tough to reconcile an increased home field advantage and Buffalo being the better team in your book, but this number still just being two. Um, Do you think maybe the Patriots familiarity with this venue just keeps home field still at a pretty low number?
1: Uh, I think it can. I mean, I haven't made a huge adjustment on the playoffs like, you know, maybe Chris is doing, Um, you know, and it's kind of interesting. We know how much New England dominated Buffalo forever. And I don't remember what happened in the first game that they played last year. I'd have to go back and look, but I know New England or Buffalo, sorry, came back and, and spanked New England, I think in the second game last year. And then of course this game, uh, this year has been one, one, you know, but it's just, you know, when you're laying a lot of points like that, these teams aren't like, as I think Chris said, they're not that far apart. I think, again, I think there's a higher ceiling with Buffalo. And what Josh Allen can can provide for the team and do to New England is much more than I think what Mac Jones can do. But will he do that or not? And the numbers are not indicating to me that he will do that. And, you know, my numbers do take into account and the personnel uh, on the on the field and, and rating every player. And, Right now, they're saying two, not four.
0: Yeah, a common refrain from these first two games: these teams not too far apart. When we look at Raiders, Bengals, and Patriots, Bills, I think we do see a more pronounced gap in our next game, moving over to the NFC. Philadelphia traveling to Tampa Bay. The Bucks currently laying at nine and a half at even money at Bet US. Total of forty-nine. And Scott, what's your take on this Eagles Bucks matchup?
1: Well, you know, well, you know, five of these, as we've said. Uh, they played earlier in the year, uh, and that game was in Philadelphia early in the year. 28-22 final, I believe it was. Uh, you know, Tampa kind of dominated that game. Here's my problem with Philadelphia, and, and I'd be real interested to you know, hear what you guys have to say on it. Uh, but Philadelphia kind of has made their mark this year on, on playing really bad teams. So when I look at the good teams that they've played this year, San Francisco, early in the year. And let's face it, this team, I think, is better later in the year than they were early in the year. Although the last half of their schedule again has been against a bunch of teams that aren't any good. So are they looking better because of that? Or are they, they gelling and kind of coming together? It's probably a little of both, but they lose 17 to 11 early in the year to San Francisco. Uh, they, get, they get killed really from a success rate standpoint. They lose 41 to 21 to Dallas early in the year. They lose 42 to 30 to Kansas city, 28, 22 against these bucks. That game was much further apart than this final score. Uh, they go to Vegas. They lose 33-22. They haven't done well against any good teams. And here comes Tampa now, who is going to get a little bit healthier. Uh, Shaq Barrett, Shaquille Barrett uh, and um, uh, Pierre Paul are going to be back. Uh, I think Fournette's going to be back. So they're going to get some of these guys back that have missed a few weeks here. Um, I make the number about 11 and a half for Tampa Bay. I think there's some value here on Tampa Bay. I don't really want to lay this high of a number. Uh, To me, this is a perfect teasing opportunity if you can get it under three. The question is, who do you tease it with? Not really available right now. Um, So, you know, if we'll get to, I think, the San Francisco game. That went down to two and a half. Maybe I'd tease it with that. So I don't know how I'm going to play Tampa Bay right now. Um, I think they are the better team, but I don't want to lay that many points. I either have to find something through maybe some player props or something that can take advantage of what I think is uh, advantageous for Tampa Bay. Or, again, if I could find a way to tease because we get some line movement somewhere, but I don't know that we're going to get that. Um, so I can't play it that way. So uh, maybe a team total points. I would maybe look at that possibly. But uh, value for me on Tampa Bay, I just don't quite want to lay this many this many points on the playoffs.
0: Hopefully we can get a good angle and add it to the comments between now and kickoff, because it seems like there's a lot of desire to back the Bucks and I see why. Even though when I first look at this game, I have a thought about one of my bigger lessons I've taken away from this regular season, a good run defense doesn't necessarily translate to a mobile quarterback, and with Jalen Hurts, I, I first thought, okay, maybe the Eagles can make some noise, but Scott, as you touched on it, that was a really phony backdoor cover the Eagles had in the first matchup between these two teams. Tampa Bay's reloaded it seems like their injuries came at the right time they got to beat up on the Panthers twice and then they just skated by against the Jets and now they're getting healthier for the playoffs and I too would love to tease them right now but takes two to tango not seeing a good second leg yet so gonna stay on the sidelines as far as Tampa Bay is concerned for now Chris what about you
2: well it's not impossible to find places that'll take open teasers where you you put in the first leg and uh um, if you have that ability, um, that's an option because there really isn't a second teaser team here this week uh, at this point. Um, my metrics actually surprisingly lean toward Philadelphia here. Um, as you touched on, the big concern is the shutdown run defense that Tampa Bay has. But as you said, Matt, this is a different type of run game. and. You know, I just know mentally from seeing it in college that when great rush defenses face, uh, you know, particularly mobile or different type of running offense, they can get thwarted. You know, they, they they can really get run on. And it's just such a shock to their system. So whether Philadelphia is capable of doing that, I don't know. I mean, we've got another, you know, uh, um, young coach with no playoff experience, if I'm correct. Um young quarterback no playoff experience and I believe that there's at least a you know some playoff experience on the Tampa Bay side so uh, that's those are my concerns so the metrics say one thing and logic kind of tells you the other where we really end up sitting on this as far as I'm concerned is I can't really find any value unless that line were to shoot up to 10 and I'm not even sure I want I wouldn't I would not even be betting Tampa Bay at minus seven personally, even though I know other people would just, you know, uh, carry bushels full of money to bet it at minus seven. So um, that's where I stand on it at this point. If something changes, I'll put it in the comments. Here's
1: here's here's my concern with Philadelphia. I was just looking back at that game they played. Uh, Philadelphia had a success rate of 40%. Their run rate was... Fifty-two and a half percent. So they were they were doing okay running the ball. Their pass success rate, though, was thirty-two percent. And I just get concerned because you got to figure Tampa's going to score. You know, Philly's defense isn't bad, uh, but you got to figure Tampa's going to put some points on the board. And so, obviously, Philly and I agree. You know, the the, the run game Philly brings to town that doesn't translate to your traditional run defense. So um, it, it's hard to understand. You know, how well Tampa Bay will defend that, but. Can Jalen Hurts, can Philadelphia, can they throw the ball if they're down by 10, 12, 14 points uh, and, and get back in the game? I don't know. Uh, they didn't do it early in the year. They were, you know, a little bit better late in the year. But again, I mean, who did they play late in the year? Washington, Jets, Giants, banged up New Orleans team, banged up Denver team, Giants again. Um, you know, they they haven't played a lot of good teams lately. So... It's hard to know how well this team has progressed throughout the year um, to where we're at right now as well.
0: Three rematches down, two to go, but not in this next game. The one a first-time matchup on the wildcard weekend slate, a classic rematch from a lot of great 90s NFC playoff games. San Francisco taking on Dallas. The Cowboys laying three with a little bit of extra vague at home. Total 51. You guys both have plays on this. Scott, let's kick it off with your look at the total.
1: Yeah, I played over. I played it at a, a little bit more advantageous number yesterday, 49 and a half. I would play this all the way up to 51, though. Uh, you know, I make the total somewhere between 53 and 54. I think San Francisco is going to be able to move the ball on on this Dallas defense. This Dallas defense has some good pass rushers. I question their secondary. Uh, and just the dynamic game that Kyle Shanahan brings, uh, you know, to the table I think is going to cause problems for Dallas uh, in terms of San Francisco being able to move the ball. I mean, Debo Samuel, uh, the, the guy's phenomenal, the way they use him. Obviously, we know Kittle is a monster uh, as well. You got to get production out of Jimmy G. That's always questionable, of course. But I think they're going to be able to move the ball and score. Uh, and, and I think Dallas is going to be able to score as well. Um, you know, this is a pretty good Dallas offense. As far as the side, my, I actually, my numbers are actually favoring Dallas here um, by about six points, actually. Um, but the matchup, to me, is, is really a San Francisco matchup. Garoppolo nine and three against the spread as a road dog since he came to San Francisco. Uh, Dak as a home favorite versus playoff teams, five and ten against the spread. Dak as a home favorite versus teams who finish the season above 500 and have a better average defense. Better than average defense, one in nine against the spread. Dak is a home favorite against teams that were above average offenses and defenses, which San Francisco has, one in three against the spread since they got Amari Cooper, which kind of started to add to their offense a little bit. They've allowed an average of 30 points and only scored 25 points. So this just seems like the kind of game that Dallas just struggles. Now, this is a better Dallas team this year. So I definitely account for that. But Historically, this just does not seem to be a good matchup for Dallas, and I worry about that. But like I said, my numbers support Dallas. You know, I know Chris likes Dallas, I believe, so really kind of eager to hear what he says on that because my numbers are telling me Dallas. Um, but historically, the matchup with how Dallas has performed against these teams doesn't necessarily support it.
0: As you talk about the matchup, Scott, I'm reminded of just last week the 49ers-Rams game. A similar kind of deal if we look at power ratings versus how these teams look to go head-to-head. Of course, Jimmy G and Trent Williams anchoring that offensive line going to be big factors for San Francisco in this one. But I do think, like you said, the Niners' style of play can perhaps negate the Cowboys' pass rush and make the aggressive Dallas secondary a little bit less of a factor in this game. That has me leaning the Niners way. But as you alluded to, Scott, we've got Chris on the other side. So, Chris, tell us how you're looking to back Dallas in this one.
2: I came up with the exact, uh, just short of uh, Scott's number. uh, So we're thinking alike on this. Uh, Obviously, I have concerns with last week. uh, You know, Garoppolo was uh, interviewed after the game, and he basically said that they gave it all and spent, all their energy and, and just, I forget exactly what his verbiage was, but basically uh, he gives you the impression that they left it all out on the field. And when you had, when you come off of a game like that, um, you know, sometimes you don't bounce back as much, Uh, you know, maybe you're just a little bit slower to start, uh, that next game and, and, and kick it into game gear. Uh, I have, uh, Dallas actually is the fifth best team over the last five weeks overall. So after they went through that midseason slump where we started to worry about them and they had the injuries and the COVID, they've come back. I mean, it hasn't been the the best of competition, but nevertheless. And San Francisco, I thought, actually was probably doing better than what they are, but they're middle of the road over the last five weeks. It seems like they're up, down, up, down, up, down, and there's just always some new issue with them every week. And, Everything went their way last week. Uh, I had San Francisco. And even when they were down 17-0, wasn't happy about it. But I wasn't chalking it up as a loss. I, I honestly thought that they were going to come back. So I just think, uh, uh, you know, at three or two and a half, I, I definitely like uh, Dallas in this spot. I, I think the, the team total, if you get a 27, is worth looking at uh, going over with Dallas. Uh, and I like the over. Uh, also, I think uh, th- th- I don't think either team is going to stop either team, quite frankly. Uh, except unless they self, you know, unless they self destruct, quite frankly, I think both of these teams are going to be able to move. Uh, By the way,
1: teams- I-, I was just going to say to that point, Chris. Uh, these two played here last year. I actually had San Francisco lost that bet. I think San Francisco became a, a favorite kind of late, uh, right before that game. It's I know it's different personnel. He had no DAC and stuff. It was a 41-39 game last year. Uh, it was not a low-scoring game. So,
0: Chris, when you mention liking the Cowboys, in part because it's a big high from the Niners to come down from in that desperation game against the Rams last week, any thought to also looking at the Cowboys isolating the first half?
2: No, I, I didn't do that. Um yeah you know what? i I don't gravitate toward first halves as much, even though uh, uh, I guess I did on the next game we're talking about. but um, <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't I don't chart out the first half stuff because it, it, most of the situations just seem so random uh, with with first halves because there's I don't like to bet anything that doesn't involve like a finality to it. It bothers me. I mean, especially, how do you bet something like NBA first halves? You know, like whether a team's going to win the first half or not. Do they really care if they're down a bucket or up a bucket? I mean, I want my team to be making, uh, you know, as much effort as they can uh, to win the bet. And when you isolate first quarters and first periods and first halves, you're not necessarily going to get that.
0: Preaching to the choir, Scott and I had a great bet on the Bucks laying four and a half in the first half. Uh, that number closed in the ballpark of a full touchdown as it probably should have been lined all along. If you would have told me we would have had that CLV and the Bucks would go ahead and blow out the Panthers, would have felt pretty good about it. But that's what happens sometimes. So I can't fault you for looking to lock in a sense of finality. That's a good way to frame it. Nevertheless, as we move on to the next game, Chris, you do have a first half bet in play and that would involve the Steelers and the Chiefs, Kansas City laying 13 at even money at BetUS, total 46.5. Chris, let us know where you're looking to go with your first half play in this one.
2: Well, two of the teams, uh, two of the three teams that played a top 10 schedule uh, are facing off here, so we're going to lose one of them. Uh, Pittsburgh played the most difficult schedule there is. Um, you know, you have to respect what they what they've done. I mean... You can't deny Tomlin has a lot of talent as a coach. He, re, he commands respect from his players, and he sticks to his gun. He's a strong personality. He's not a loudmouth, um, just a nice intensity. And you, you want to back people like that. Uh, you know, this just kind of reminds me where Pittsburgh just became the whipping boys, and they were just easy to make fun of. But, you know... They've done the eighth best as far as I'm concerned over the last five weeks. Uh, And they played some tough games. And uh, sure, they backed into the playoffs and they don't belong there. But um, they got there. And that's all that matters. Uh, I have, the only angle I could take in this game, I went with the first half. Because I, I, for two reasons here. Pittsburgh notoriously, is just awful in the first half. They've done everything they've done all season long in the second half. So I've got a team uh, that's coming, you know, going to be happy to be there, doesn't start games well, and Kansas City, you know, they can score. I I, I trust them to want to get out and get a lead. And uh, so I, I like the Kansas City minus seven in the first half. Um. As far as full game metrics go it's pretty much right on the number i I can't uh i can't bet either side but i can tell you the history of double digit favorites in the playoffs they cover they win by an average of 17 points a game so uh, you can't just scoff at them and say oh that's too many points for an nfl game uh but uh that's about it. I think Kansas City wins. Whether they cover the full game, I don't know. But I think they're going to want to get a 7, 10, 14-point lead uh, going into the halftime.
0: 17, the number you mentioned, double-digit favorites traditionally winning by in the playoffs. That's about what I need to look the Steelers' way. I, I can't touch them, even though we're the double digits here. Not eager to lay the Chiefs either, although I don't disagree with your first half look. Our mutual friend Adam Chernoff, Chris, noting today that the Steelers, the only playoff team with both a negative success rate and a negative net yards per play on the season. So, yes, they're in the playoffs. Can't take that away from them. But this could just be a nightmarish matchup, especially if we see anything like a repeat from week 16 when the Steelers headed to Kansas City and got smoked. And, Scott, in that game, you know injuries really well. Uh, Tyreek Hill was limited. Travis Kelsey was out. Looking like they'll both be in this time around, but might be limited once again. What do you make of those key factors for the Chiefs offense as it pertains to possibly getting some distance from the Steelers once again?
1: Well, I mean, Kelsey will be huge, obviously. Uh, Hill, we'll see. You know, they, they used him very limited. They said he's going to be OK for this week. Uh, you know, let, let's see. Uh, you know, I'm always a little cautious of that. Um, but You know, this game kind of falls into where Kansas City really succeeds, and that is, A, they're a big favorite. So their last 20 games, laying seven or more at home, they've allowed 21 or more in only five of those 20 games. So they're not giving up points when they're deemed to be the far superior team. Uh, And their last six games at home, they've allowed 17 or less. Now, they've played really bad offenses in all those games, but here comes Pittsburgh, which is not a good offense. So this is going to fit the bill for the type of teams at Kansas City. Who knows about their defense? You know, they, they gave up some points the last couple of weeks, some questions about maybe some effort last week in Denver with some of their players. I do think at home, with the home crowd, uh, you know, you're going to get effort out of their defense. Still pretty good defense, especially when they're playing limited offenses. And here comes Pittsburgh, which on the road against better defenses this year. We, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. They scored 23 at Buffalo, but seven was off a block punt. So they really scored 16. They then scored 17 at Green Bay, 15 at Cleveland, 10 at Cincinnati, uh, 10 at Kansas City a couple weeks ago, 16 last week against a Baltimore defense that is maybe average at best. They've averaged 14 points a game against these better defenses. We know Kansas City has given up 17 or less. I would, I would, know The team total here is probably 16 and a half. We obviously really love 17. If you find a 17 in the team total, I would play that under. Kind of forgot, you know, if you can get first half team totals under, maybe under Pittsburgh, kind of the Christmas point, because they have been awful starting out games. Um, You know, that might be worth playing a a team total for Pittsburgh just under in the first half as well. Um, But, you know, something under with Pittsburgh team total wise, I think is, is definitely a look, especially if you can find a 17 uh, I just don't see Pittsburgh scoring a bunch of points in this game.
0: Well, we've got I'm one- betting it as we speak.
1: Like What's that?
2: I'm betting the under 17 as we speak. Yeah, is there a uh, team total of 17? I, well, at I, one of my places, I found it.
0: <laughs> All right. I think Scott and I are going to have to do some shopping during the show in just a moment here. So I will be quick to queue up the next game. Scott, you don't foresee Pittsburgh scoring a lot, but based on the total – uh, we might see some fireworks when the Cardinals take on the Rams in what may be the first Monday night wildcard playoff game, if I'm not mistaken. Rams laying four to the Cardinals, total 49.5. Round three between these two teams this season. Chris, why don't you let us know which side you're on? Oh,
2: what do we got with these two teams? A um, lot of worries, a lot of inconsistencies. I don't think. Uh... You know, can you trust either one of these teams at this point, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things that comes to mind with me. And this is one of these games where there's a significant difference in strength of schedule played. And uh, Arizona played a top 10 schedule and the Rams were, uh, you know, above, below middle of the road. So uh, that's a concern. Uh, Stafford's pick sixes and uh, um, uh, just inconsistency, you you know, that has to worry any Rams backer. Um, And let's not forget, when the Rams played Arizona in Arizona, I've seen almost every Matthew Stafford game. I've never seen him play that well. I I mean, the the, the threading the needle... you know, just out of the fingertips hands of the defender in the corner of the end zone to that guy who's getting... It, 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 the, he The pinpoint placement he had was incredulous. There's no possible way he can do it again. There's just no way. It, it, the, he played the perfect game. And Atlanta had a chance there at the end and, and shot themselves in the foot. So... Uh, this is a case of, I don't think these teams are four points apart. I, and uh, I think taking the points shows some value here. And I, I'm not jumping up and down about Arizona because Arizona's, you know, really not done well. Uh, they've been kind of in a free fall, but they still have not been absolutely atrocious and the Rams have not been
0: absolutely great. So uh, when in doubt, take the points. And when you talk about taking the points, how do you look at possibly taking some of the money line as well, knowing if Arizona covers the four, they're going to be in the hunt to win the game outright.
2: You know, I haven't been doing that uh, very often. Um, I, I really, I really didn't look at it. I I just wanted the points. I I think the Rams are the better team here. I think they should come away with the win. But you're right, because when you look at these goofy Arizona victories, like against the Colts and um, uh, Seattle, uh, one other team I forget, they're they're not even supposed to be – it seems like they either lose by a lot to some idiots or they beat the good teams by, you know, outright. They're, They're odd like that. You're right.
0: Yeah, well, I don't have anything invested yet, but if I do, I'll probably be with you taking the points, and I would sprinkle in some money line. I think it could be a big factor for the Rams to be without safety Jordan Fuller. He's their play caller on defense, so an adjustment on the fly for them to make heading into the playoffs. Defensively for the Cardinals, things could be trending in the other direction if they can get anything out of J.J. Watt, if he's able to make a return. But overall at this stage, I'm looking at bet against versus bet against, kind of like what you outlined, Chris. I don't want to back Kingsbury. I don't feel like putting my money on Stafford. So I'm going to sit this one out for the time being. Scott, how about you?
1: I make the number three. So we got a little bit of value with Arizona. Um, you know, my hesitation with Arizona is, you know, since DeAndre Hopkins went out, uh, it hasn't been great. So we had we had a few weeks there where they played without Hopkins and Murray. Um, from a success rate standpoint, just kind of reading my notes here, when they had Murray and Hopkins, they had about a 50, I'm gonna round it up, 53% success rate. And passing the ball, they were at about 52%. Since Murray's been, uh, I'm sorry, since Hopkins has been out, but they've had Murray in the games, they've gone from that 53% success rate down to about 49, a drastic difference. And the passing rate has gone from about 52 down to about 46% success rate. It's it's hard to ignore that. I just, I, just, I struggle. Um, you know, we're just not seeing a lot of good things out of Arizona recently. And, and that uh, that makes it tough for me to back him, even though the numbers are slightly valuing them there. You know, this total is pretty high at 49 and a half. My numbers, just based on personnel, make it about 51. So, you know, it's a, it's a little bit over to where the number's at. But, you know, the Rams and 49ers last week, that total was 44 and a half. Uh, I bet it over. I made the number closer to about 48. It went up to about 46 and a half, I think, by game time. Um, I had San Francisco over the team total. I played an alt- alternate team total over in that game. I got lucky in all three of those. That game probably should not have been that high scoring. And obviously it took that last score at the end to really have all those things come home for me. Um, and I, I point that out because the Rams are, since the beginning of last year in SoFi Stadium, they're at 11 and 3 to the under as home favorites, and that that third loss, of course, uh, to the over was last week's game. It probably should have went under as well. So, I, I can't I can't get there yet from a number standpoint. I want to look at this a little bit closer. This to me, this is a pretty high total. My numbers support Arizona. It's very hard for me to really back Arizona too much because I've just seen this decrease in production. Um, but to Chris's point, like it's hard to trust the Rams' lane. Points And by the way, the Rams at home favorite against, let's call it playoff teams this year for the most part. They lose 37 to 20 to Arizona here. They lose 28 to 16 to Tennessee. And they lose last week 27-24. So they're they're not necessarily beating the good teams at home as home favorites either when they're laying points. So I don't know how you take the Rams. I mean, it's Arizona or nothing for me. And I, I want to look a little bit deeper and see if I can justify some way of taking the under as well. Um, I, I just, it's... I don't know how many points Arizona can score. Um, but if they're going to cover this game, they're obviously going to have to hold the Rams down too or score a bunch of points. I, I just don't know if that's going to happen with their offense, though.
2: Let's not forget that Arizona uh, has really, really fared well on the road this year, too. Yes. Uh, yes. It, I, I think that they're happy to get away from home for whatever reason. Maybe the nagging wife and, and annoying kids, you know, who knows. But, uh, um, and, but my my only other concern with Arizona is I, I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury is showing that he's not a good coach. I, I, it, some of the errors he's making, some of the strategies that he's doing are, are painfully evident, uh, unfortunately.
0: Chris, Agreed. as you touch on the Cardinals' home road splits, that can lead us into our Q&A because we have a question from the live chat noting that we mentioned home field advantage being a bigger factor in the playoffs. Question asks, which stadiums would you say will have the bigger and smaller impacts? And I'll give you guys a sec to think about that, because I don't want to forget about the Packers and Titans on bye this week. Perhaps in Lambeau Field or even in Nashville, we might see those home field advantages magnified, not only because of this being the playoffs and those teams having first-round buys, but they also had late regular season buys in Week 13. So home field advantage may loom, especially large for the one seeds, Any stadium-specific factors that you guys are building into your projections for the playoffs?
2: Well, I think you just have to—you know, the Buffalo and New England are used to similar weather. But um, as long as it's not windy, the cold probably favors Buffalo a little bit. Um, I I think, uh, you know, anybody that has to go to Green Bay, it's a big disadvantage. Uh, You know, that's a culture shock to a small-town city— uh, it's, it's sort of like
0: going
2: to, too. it's like going to Hickory in the, in, in Hoosiers, you know, they're all about the team. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Kansas city, uh, you know, obviously has, has been a tough place for for teams to win. Uh, I don't think the Rams have a home home advantage. I think that, uh, uh, you know, I'm not crediting them anything because they haven't played well at home. I don't think, uh, in Las Vegas, for whatever reason, in these early year start games, they end up doing okay on these East Coast trips. If you look back, uh, you know, some way, somehow, they do okay. So, uh, uh, no, no huge uh, uh, adjustments for me, other than though other than those slight ones.
0: Yeah, a lot I of think- subtleties, but they can make all the difference as we hit the home stretch on the season. Scott, go ahead and jump in.
1: You know, uh, the point of the Rams, I mean, I saw something today. They they had a little culture shock last week. I mean, that there was a lot of 49er fans there, and they said they had to adjust for – they weren't even expecting that. Uh, so you're right, Chris. I mean, they, they really have no home field advantage. The other one I would factor in here a little bit, um, you know, part of home field advantage is how well do you play at home versus on the road. Uh, and I would put Tampa Bay in that. Tampa Bay just seems like a team that plays – so much better uh, at home. Now, you know, last year in the playoffs, they were on the road the whole time until they ironically played the Super Bowl at home. But, uh, you know, uh, amongst a smaller crowd. But uh, that's a team that just seems to thrive very, very well at home. And, you know, something I heard last week during that game, it just comes to my mind now. We know they've lost some receivers here, so they're playing with some younger, uh, less experienced receivers. And I think it was during that game last week they were talking, it's much easier for Brady to work with his receivers and get them in the right spot at home in a game than if they were on the road and trying to direct his receivers to the right spot and do the right thing. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of advantages there as well, and I think Tampa Bay um, has a little bit of a home field advantage as well.
0: I love that point on the Bucks. Some next-level analysis from both of you to answer that question, and let's hope that that next-level insight pays dividends when we look at our best bets for Wild Card Weekend. We can pull up a full-screen graphic for the YouTube audience. Chris, a pretty full card. The Patriots plus four, the Cowboys minus three, the Cardinals plus four. Also a late add, the Chiefs laying seven in the first half. I'm seeing eye-to-eye with Chris taking the Patriots plus the four points, and Scott involved on the over 51 in 49ers-Cowboys. Pretty clear with Scott and I having one bet, what our favorite bets would be so far on this weekend's board. Chris, with what you've got in pocket so far, any nod to what you would consider a best bet? No, nope, no, nope,
2: nope. I say it every week. Uh, it's it's uh, um, and and it, and it changes throughout the course of the week too because sometimes your best bet changes on what you see everybody else is on, and you just know that they're not right. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, I, last week I had some games that I had buyer's remorse on shortly afterward. Uh, and then as the week went on, I started to really like them just because nobody else was on my games. I mean, when, if literally nobody is on your games, then that's when I really start to like them. So uh, I, I just hope nobody's on my games because I think they'll do better.
0: All right, well then, uh, apologies in advance if me being on the Patriots with you is just going to blow up that entire perspective, but (laughs) I like our look there, and everybody can keep an eye, once again, on the comments section below this video. Anything between wildcard weekend or early divisional lines before we do the show again next Tuesday, our picks will go in the comments section below that video, so keep an eye out there, and guys, one last thing I wanted to touch on as we hit the home stretch here When we look at the playoffs versus the regular season, I wanted to see if you had any quick thoughts on how your handicapping process changes. Scott, I know there's a good point you can make. Now that we're in the playoffs, a lot of futures updated teams to win the conference, teams to win the Super Bowl, but it's not necessarily the best value you can get if you're simply taking that plus number, considering something like a money line rollover possibility. Why don't you lay that out?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at, uh, let's just take Tampa Bay, for example, and say, you want to take Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl. Well, I was looking before the show, one of my books, they're, they're seven to one, right? So you can bet a hundred bucks and you're going to win 700 bucks on that transaction. If they win the Super Bowl, couple of things. I mean, number one, you're, you're locked in. That's your bet. And that's it. Right. Uh, and obviously if they go win, you get paid. If they lose, you lose. But generally speaking in the playoffs by betting the money line for these teams and just rolling that over every week gives you some better odds. Like I was playing with Tampa Bay and you've got to, you got to guess a little bit who they're going to play and maybe what the money lines will be for them in subsequent games. But just kind of with some wild last guessing, you could probably get eight to one with Tampa Bay by just rolling over the money lines. And and obviously that's dependent on who they play and what those lines are going to be. But generally speaking, playing the money line and just rolling that number over is going to give you a little bit better price um, uh, than if you take a future bet. And, Not that I necessarily suggest this, but you've got flexibility there because you could stop at any point in time, obviously, and take your winnings and go home if your team keeps progressing. So you wake up one day and say, I'm not going to bet them anymore. But So I think you you get, generally speaking, in the playoffs a little bit better odds by rolling it over. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Take a look at that as uh, another way to play any kind of futures bets in the playoffs as well.
2: Yeah, and just to quickly explain, uh, it may, some people may be confused on that. It, you know, if you, if you want to bet a hundred dollars on it, you just put the hundred dollars on your team, and if you win, whatever you got back, put it back in on the next next game they play, and just keep on doing that. So you're still working with that same hundred, and, and all the money that you've been returned, you put that back
0: in. Yeah, well, I don't have the option to do that for my team because my team's not in the playoffs. (laughs) But if anybody's looking to back their team uh, just for the hell of it, I think that's a much more advantageous way to do it, both for the better payout you're likely to get, as well as what you guys have touched on, the value of that flexibility. If you ever want to bail for any reason, you've got that option with the Moneyline rollover. That'll take us to the end of our look at Wild Card Weekend. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. And for those of you with us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel on your way out the door. And as a programming note, we're going to be doing one show per week during the playoffs. It's going to be at our regular time, just like this, every Tuesday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific. So everybody, best of luck with your action this wild card weekend. And we will see you next week to break down the divisional round right back here at BetUS, where the game begins.